Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Okay, and uh, welcome back to the podcast. Um, today I've got uh, Regan Stevenson from Indiana University in the States, um, who's been doing some research around um, entrepreneurs pivoting. Um, and um, it, it's really interesting, uh, some of the, the work that they've been doing. So, um, Regan, can you just give me a couple of minutes to uh, just introduce yourself, give the listeners a little bit of background about your personal journey so far and some academic history? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. So, um, originally, my background, I guess it starts with uh, being an entrepreneur first. So, I spent about 10 years myself as an entrepreneur, and I did all of those things that, uh, that entrepreneurs have to deal with. So, getting the, getting the business off the ground trying to raise capital. Eventually we did raise capital, uh, building the business, assembling a team, and then exiting the business. And I actually ended up doing that a couple of times. So um, what's described by friends and the term that's commonly used as kind of a serial entrepreneur. So I was in, I was in my third business and was doing some consulting for some other businesses. And I realized um, around that time that I really wanted to stay involved with entrepreneurship. I loved the ideas. I loved being involved with entrepreneurs, but that I thought the next pursuit for me should be something that is a little different. And I decided I wanted to go after the intellectual challenge of getting a PhD. So that was, that was fun. After I exited my last business, um, I decided to do a PhD and I chose uh, the University of Central Florida for my PhD. The reason for doing that is because uh, they had a really great organizational behavior team who were trained in social psychology methods and uh, had a really strong background in that area. And I knew for myself that I wanted to study the behavioral side of entrepreneurship. And that was an area that was only developing in, in our field, in our academic field. So I felt that my best bet would probably be to get involved with an organization that was already, or an institution that already had a good background with so social psychology even though they didn't have much uh, happening with entrepreneurship research itself. So I, I chose uh, University of Central Florida, did my PhD there, and um, then uh, ended up uh, finishing the PhD, had a great experience, and was super fortunate to get the opportunity to come to Indiana University, the Kelly School of Business, which is uh, just surrounded by a group of incredible entrepreneurship researchers. We have a, one of the largest groups of entrepreneurship researchers in the world and continually um, receive accolades for the, the productivity that the group does. So mm. when I got the opportunity to come here, I, I jumped at it, of course, and just being around, just being around Indiana University and the people in the halls, um, I feel was an opportunity I couldn't miss as my first academic placement. So and, and, and uh, I have been um, pleased every day that I've gone into the Unfortunately, not going into the office anymore, given the situation, but uh, we'll be back there soon again. Yes. Yeah, great. So, so what kinds of research have you been involved in up until uh, this paper around pivoting? So generally, I like to study um, the behavioral side of entrepreneurship. And so a lot of the initial papers I was working on 
were related to the phenomenon of crowdfunding, which was an emerging trend, emerging uh, system of, of finance that uh, really started in 2009 with Kickstarter and started to gain additional momentum 2015 with some equity crowdfunding coming online. So I've been doing a lot around that um, and really just trying to understand kind of the behavioral foundations of, of how uh, entrepreneurs raise capital, whether it be through crowdfunding, through angel investment, through venture capital. But overall, my general interest lies in trying to understand, I guess, a lot of the, the early stage challenges that entrepreneurs go through and really trying to unpack those from more of a behavioral aspect. And I like to start with a phenomenon in mind. So some kind of empirical puzzle that's happening in the natural entrepreneurship world. So I'm trying to stay closely connected with entrepreneurs that I know from my previous life with what's happening in accelerators and incubators around the country. And from there, I try to derive what will be an interesting research question. And of course, bring theory to it as well. But starting with a phenomenological puzzle is, is the way I like to approach it. Right. And so, so what, what brought you to this study around um, looking at um, entrepreneurs and pivoting? So as you know, um, pivoting is all the rage. And you can't go, any, you can't go anywhere. Especially at the moment. <laughs> That's absolutely true. You can't go anywhere without somebody telling you about the importance of the pivot. And um, while I completely agree and subscribe to the, to the importance that entrepreneurs need to be pivoting and market sensing, one of the things that I noticed um, just in interacting with a lot of entrepreneurs, whether it be through coaching or mentoring them, or you know, just talking with friends that are still involved in several businesses, that it's quite often that even though, though the, you know, the standard practices pivot, 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 that entrepreneurs like to resist or some for some reason resist the pivot um, and I've got some related research on coachability and so that really tries to unpack why certain entrepreneurs are more coachable and that to some extent could explain this pivoting puzzle but we thought there was something more going on and so we just wanted to see what are the things that kind of hold entrepreneurs back from pivoting and what are the what are the enablers of pivoting yeah, there's been some, uh, because I've, I've been in quite a lot of looking around pivoting, we're doing quite a lot of work in the Oxford Review around pivoting. And um, so there's a, a 2015 study that, um, contrary to a lot of people's expectations, this kind of expectation that entrepreneurs are, are very ready to pivot, they pivot very easily, they're, they're the kind of the masters of the pivot. Um, this the, the 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 study that I've got in mind by uh, Brush Edelman and Manilova was showing that actually that's contrary to their findings, and that one of the um, one of the big indicators of a pivot is um, the uh, when entrepreneurs actually attract angel funding, and it's the pressure and coaching from the the entrepreneur who's bringing the money in that actually gets them to start to change their model. So what, what was it that you were finding in your research? Yeah, that's really interesting and, and has a lot of similarities to what we were finding. So one of the things, you know, initially when, when, you, when you talk with entrepreneurs and when you see entrepreneurs and you, and you ask them about pivots, what was, what was evident, and we did some qualitative studies before kind of taking on our more quantitative approach here, was, was that, um, 
you know, they kind of, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of think about their idea as their baby. So, you know, they, if, if you tell somebody, you know, hey, you got to go get feedback, you got to find out information, and then you got to pivot. And by the way, you got to pivot away from what you believe in your mind to be your baby. You can just imagine how they might react, right? So, yes. you know, you can't go up to somebody and say, hey, your baby's ugly. You need to leave your baby behind um, because there's greener pastures on the other wall and expect that they're going to listen to you, even though that's the common practice in Silicon Valley. You've got a lot of people coming in from the outside that are first-time entrepreneurs. And so we really wanted to try to understand that phenomenon a little bit more. So we kind of set up this, this uh, research paper by looking at um, the entrepreneurs that were in or in a, a program called iCorps, where you had entrepreneurs that were traditionally technologists and engineers take on a program, it was a structured program, seven weeks, which was designed to essentially get them to unpack and discover their value proposition through, through the act of pivoting. And so each week, the, this group would meet, and uh, every week they'd be challenged by coaches, so similar to the venture capital paper that you were referring to and they would they would be tasked with recording the interviews that they did on a week-to-week -week basis in a structured system online system and then identifying positive negative neutral feedback and then identifying whether or not they acted upon that feedback so it was a really nice data set from uh, I think there was around 70 teams and something like 500 or 600 different decision points wow. that were made in various areas across the United States. So we, we, uh, when we had that data, we felt that we would be able to assess feedback, positive or negative, and then look at how that impacted pivots on various aspects of the business model. Mm. So in general, there's been discussion about pivoting, and we wanted to go a little bit further and say, how might the feedback influence different types of pivots, whether that's something towards the value proposition, whether that's something toward more of your supply chain or your customer segment, we felt that there would be some nuance there in terms of how entrepreneurs would respond to this negative feedback, mainly because we had this, this underlying assumption that certain parts of the business model are more core to the identity of the entrepreneur. Mm. So we termed that the core venture identity. And of course, um, that kind of falls toward, if you're familiar with the business model canvas, that falls toward the center of the value proposition is. Yes. And that's how we kind of operationalize and unpack this research. Interesting. So, so what did you find out actually about this connection between a, uh, an entrepreneur's core identity um, and their identity with the, the business, their baby, as you, as you put it? So one of the, yeah, the first thing we did was we wanted to just reconfirm the importance of negative feedback on pivoting. We expected that in general, if you received negative feedback as an entrepreneur, that you were going to pivot. And we did find that. So that, that was not terribly surprising, but that was a good starting point for, for, the, uh, for the research. And the next thing we did wanted to see was, does the nature of the feedback or the direction of the feedback in terms of which position on the canvas matter or moderate that relationship? And we found that as the information and the feedback gets closer to the core identity of the venture, entrepreneurs kind of dig in and they're resistant to pivoting. Even though that is probably potentially the most important area, practically speaking, that you'd want to pivot. You want to have 
a repeatable and scalable business model. And that's done through pivoting the value proposition. So it's kind of counter to what, you know, the practical literature would say, which is you got to pivot, you got to pivot, you got to pivot. As soon as I challenge an entrepreneur on pivoting their core, their core business, they dig in and we term that an identity trap. So we unpack that this is really something that's happening at the psychological level for entrepreneurs. And if it's something that's not core to their identity, like, hey, you got to change your revenue structure, they're much more likely to do it than core closer to their, to their identity. Um, and we took it a little bit further and we thought, okay, so maybe, maybe the case, maybe it's the case that uh, the more experience you have as an entrepreneur, the more likely you are to recognize your own biases towards your, your core venture identity and pivot. And uh, this, uh, this research that I'm describing, by the way, is still kind of ongoing. We're still mm -hmm. in, the, in the working paper stage. So yep. we have not found that yet. And what we're doing is we're going a little bit deeper with uh, some qualitative work if there's something else going on there. But experience, um, it was in the right direction, but it was all in almost significant, but not quite there. So we want to go a little deeper and look at some other, other contingencies that might be influencing that. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because again, you would expect, and and a, a lot of the kind of traditional narrative is the more experienced an entrepreneur is, the more likely to, they're able to be able to kind of cut off and then move. Um, and whilst there's a trend that it's not significant, that is interesting. That's yeah, very I mean, interesting. It's on the right direction, and uh, our power is a little limited. Um, so we think that there's some things going on, probably with. Uh, with the industry and the nature of the relationship and trying to trying to increase um, the scope of our research before we actually move it through to the uh, publication process. So um, you, you mentioned this idea of an identity trap. Can you just explain a little bit more about what that is? Okay, so what we think uh, is happening is that entrepreneurs uh, may, may know that it's good practice to pivot and they may want to pivot, but they, a, but their own identity, their own tie to their business idea is trapping them or, 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 or getting them to resist the change at the psychological level. And it's really just uh, similar to what I described earlier with, um, you know, being, being tied to your baby. Of course, you don't want to change when you, when you begin to get passionate about something and you love something, it's going to be more and more difficult for you to want to change. So we wanted to explore that in a little bit more detail because Prior work has talked about pivoting and the importance of it and the challenges of pivoting, but has not been able to break it down in certain types of pivots um, versus other types of pivots. Mm. Okay. And, and is there anything that entrepreneurs can actually do about this um, to help them because of this? The, the, I, th I suppose this too, what, what I find interesting about this is these two kind of identities pulling in two different directions. One is the identity of an entrepreneur and this idea that actually I'm flexible and I can I just go with where the market's telling me to go. And then this other idea that actually I'm tied to the identity of my my organization or my business. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. So in some ways, um, the thing that an entrepreneur should be aware of, especially a first time entrepreneur, is that when it comes to finding the repeatable and scalable business opportunity, a lot of entrepreneurs think there's this is a challenge of the environment or that this could be something that they really need capital for 
but it turns out based on our research that entrepreneurs could be their own worst enemy at uh, identifying and finding that scalable and repeatable business opportunity, right? So just the knowledge that that is a potential that could be hindering you, I think is really important. And we don't have evidence on this yet, but one of the things that uh, we are getting some information on from our qualitative researcher is that this seems to be potentially impacting uh, first-time entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that are more, um, I guess that embrace more of a research or an, an engineering and a technology identity as opposed to entrepreneurs that embrace a, I'm a startup entrepreneur and I'm passionate about the process of entrepreneurship type of identity. So it's, it's popping a little bit in the qualitative uh, interviews we're doing, but uh, more work needs to be done there before we can confirm whether or not that's an accurate finding. Brilliant. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it is the really interesting set of findings that are, that are coming out from your studies um, and other studies around this. The, the whole idea of well pivoting, which is interesting on its own, but also entrepreneurs and, and early stage entrepreneurs, um, and and the way they're doing it or not doing it, as the case may be. Um, so, so what do you think um, practitioners can actually take away from these studies around pivoting? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to take away. First, as I mentioned, you know, just kind of being aware of your own knowledge limitations and kind of embracing this idea of, you know, epistemic humility. And this is really just the idea that, you know, there's, there's, um, that, you know, knowledge is important, but you may not know everything. And you need, you need to be, you need to be humble about the fact that you probably don't know. And if you've dealt with entrepreneurs, you usually know that by the first time they're coming in, they are pitching you and they're really good at this, right? So they figure out what, how they want to, you know, pitch the idea and sell you on it. And then they start to tie into that, right? And when challenged, sometimes the natural tendency is to react with a little bit of defensiveness and to dig in further. And what we're, what we're seeing is really just kind of embracing the fact that sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's okay to say, this is something that I'm searching for and investors those that have a lot of experience around entrepreneurship really get that what they're betting on is somebody that has that humility to know what they know and to know what they don't know. And then once they figure it out using primary market research and actually going out there and taking action, that's the time where you can then invest and scale up. But before that period in time, you really got to be flexible, mm. both in your business model and in, in your mindset. Yeah, and it's it's very much about following the data as an entrepreneur, um, but it is very difficult, especially when you've, when it as as you say, it's your baby. When you've 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 put a lot of effort into it and you've kind of molded it, and there's also probably this, and I like you know the the, the idea of humility, the idea of well, nobody else knows my business better than me, um, and and I think there's a there's a big trap inside that. Uh, interesting. So um, in terms of you and your research and your team's research, where next? Yeah, so I mean, we're continuing down this path where we're kind of looking at pivoting and, and early stage challenges. Um, some of the other research that we're working on right now are related to minimum viable products and MVPs and what that means and okay. how they're used and mm -hmm. the opportunities to use them for legitimacy. And, and because I find kind of the dark side of things interesting, you know, when MVPs kind of go wrong as well. So, so that's some of the research we're working on now. 
And then just honestly, um, with the situation here with COVID-19 being mm. all that anybody is talking about, I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last month really trying to dig back in to some COVID-19 data and approaching it in the, in the way that I like to approach research from this behavioral side and trying to understand a little bit more about individuals' um, bias toward you know, exponential risk and their understanding of exponential risk and how that influences their actions and behaviors. So we've got some cool data at, um, at the, the political level in, in the United States looking at governor decisions to, to lock down that we're working on. Mm. And I wanna take that a little bit further and really kind of look at maybe entrepreneurs and, and startup founders that have now been leading public companies and just try to understand whether or not, um, you know, how quickly they reacted to it. My hunch is here that, you know, the exponential function is really what underlies entrepreneurial growth. So entrepreneurs are gonna get this, or you're gonna understand this better than the average person. And yeah. that, that applies both on the upside, which is, you know, the reason why entrepreneurial businesses can scale. You have to have belief or understanding of the exponential function to actually take that risk and want to proceed with an entrepreneurial venture. And also on the downside. So when there's a threat that has the characteristics of this, you know, exponential, exponential uh, function, yeah. will they be quicker to recognize? And mm -hmm. some of the anecdotal evidence suggests that they are. I mean, you saw Facebook and Microsoft and others locked down before anybody else really considered it to be a problem. So just want to explore that for, I'm not sure where it will lead to and how long that will last, but I'm just fascinated with it right now. Yeah, one, one, one of the areas that, so my, um, my research is around uncertainty um, and, and areas allied to that, things like emotion regulation and things like that. And what, one of the things that um, I got involved in a few years ago was looking at um, entrepreneurial problem solving and the, the range of ways of, uh, that entrepreneurs engage in problems from opportunity seeking and having the mindset of, Okay, we you know looking at where the reality is right now, and 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 really doing a kind of a scan of okay, you know what's the data telling me that's really happening right now, not what I think is happening, and and trying to take a kind of a, di a series of diverse views of that to work out what's going on, and then okay, so what do we do? Where do we move from here, from an opportunity base, right through to the other end? which tends to be people who aren't very tolerant of uncertainty, who are um, solving, oops, have we lost you? Yeah, looks like it. Solving problems. I was there for a second, then it froze up, but I'm back. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Where, where was I at? <laughs> yeah, you were telling, telling about your research. Yeah, just, just around um, um, entrepreneurial problem solving to do with uncertainty and and this idea that there's um just obviously a range there's the the opportunity seeking behavior where um entrepreneurs are trying to find out what the reality of any particular situation in the moment is by taking diverse views and then saying okay so where can we move from here right through to um people who are less tolerant of uncertainty who are just trying to get back to how it was before so we saw a lot of that in 2008, people thinking that they could actually just somehow solve the problem, which actually meant for them going back to how it was before. The, a lot of the, I'm not sure whether there's such a thing as a true entrepreneur, but 
more entrepreneurial thinking around the discovery of or fast identification of where we are and saying right okay what's the opportunity here and in this country um we've we've seen um a, a number of businesses that have done that so there's a and i don't know whether they're in the states there's, there's a chain of um cafes restaurants kind of health food uh, called leon and um almost immediately that they recognized what was going on they diverted their um because all all the cafes and everything have shut down in the uk they diverted their attention to delivery in the immediate area of the cafe so you could buy packs of things to cook at home but then also selling their wares through local supermarkets and doing local deals with some of the larger supermarket chains um and then other um organizations have just well they've gone bust actually <laughs> because they they really haven't reacted very quickly so and i you know, i think there's an awful lot of work to be done in that area trying to identify what the the factors are that are involved in these i think this this whole idea of pivoting is really important and i think the work that you're doing is important so um thank you very much this has been really really interesting and and very instructive um where can people contact you if they want to do so and how yeah, so you can find me i'm i'm a professor at the kelly school of business so you can find me on their website you can also find me uh, i think it's just a redirect but i have a url for regan that redirects you to my faculty page so um yeah i've uh, i've been i've been uh, busy working on some research and and uh busy working with this COVID 19 and also working with a lot of entrepreneurs recently, uh, as you're describing, that are looking to pivot, that are thinking about challenges or, or how disruption is going to impact them. Okay, so, um, so uh, yeah, where next and um, for, for, for you and for the research? Yes, so, ah. and some of the other work related to early stage challenges. And, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's where I'm focused on my research and also just helping some startups work through this incredible crisis that we're dealing with and uh, although it's it's a it's a human tragedy um, i am encouraged to see entrepreneurs trying and playing a key role in uh, in the comeback and uh, i believe we're going to see some incredible entrepreneurial businesses emerge over the next year to two that they're going to play pivotal roles in all in all this so Yes, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And we, we're starting to see it happening with some businesses um, and hopefully more and more will be able to, to do that, particularly on the back of some of the research that you're doing. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate your time um, and sharing some of the research with us. It's, it's been really interesting. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-review.com. And please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. Mm -hmm.